Each Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney And I'll be 50 before I see my house. It's Monday for us. Monday. podcast in which we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to Season 5, Episode 10, Friends and Ex-Lovers. You are one of those to me. How's it going, Mike? How was the first week of 40? Uh, First week of 40, I'll say this. Uh, It was a bit of a shame spiral. It included more (laughs) McDonald's in the past week than I've experienced in the past 10 years of my life. So that was sobering. Yeah, that was sobering. Um, It's probably fattening more than sobering. uh, Both of those things feel hungover from just the sheer bullshit of it. But anyway, it's been good. It's- uh, I'm envious. We're trying to, we're gonna, this is what we call hashtag first world problems. Mm. We are trying to be good citizens and surrender our license plate and get a Pennsylvania plate Ooh, and really? It, they are just making it very complicated, as the post office tends to do, or uh, the DMV tends to do. DMV, On top yeah. of that, I have a package coming to me uh, that has some equipment inside of it, and it came on Friday, and the mailman didn't ring the doorbell. He just left me a little slip that was like, oh, he missed you. Uh, so, so I, I sign that. up to go pick it up on today. Right, I, right. I get a confirmation that's like, you're good to go. Pick us up eight, eight between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. So I get up at 8. I go over to the post office, and the guy's like, I sent it out with the driver. And I said, well, why would, why would you do that? I, I requested a pickup, and he said, well, you sent me that email. And I said, what? <laughs> Long story short, somebody, somehow, this guy got an email that said, send it out on the truck. And I was like, but I'm me, and I didn't send an email. So something's weird. And uh, so that's that's where the saga ends. I'm, I'm wait. Hopefully, the mail will come during this podcast, wow. and I will see my package. Otherwise, somebody full on federal crimed me and, and, yeah. and, and stole my package. So, and that is a very uniquely like urban problem with the mail, and it's been something we've dealt with our you know for the last twenty years of getting a package when you live in an apartment. If you're not in a building that has a mail room or something like that is a nightmare because you have to literally be there when they ring the doorbell with your package or else they'll say, I'll come back tomorrow or whatever. And it's something that, you know, growing up in a rural place, it was never an issue. You just throw the package on the, you know, under the deck and you never worry about it. 
but then it became such a such a huge pain in the ass. And luckily, uh, at our place here, it's not that bad. And it won't be. But we will be able to leave packages in our new house, which is screwed up again. If oh, you thought no. the saga of our uh, Jill and I buying our first home. Wait, uh, for, before you do that, uh, yeah. what, uh, Mike has 30 seconds to catch everyone up on the saga. So from what I recall, you purchased a uh, yeah, home. Yeah, okay. Purchased a home. You put in you 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 put in your bid. You did it all, and then you got a call mm-hmm. during the podcast telling you that they accepted another offer that had outbidded you. Bid That's you, right. But luckily, they stuck to the word and let you uh, match that offer, match which it. you, That's you right. did, and if all was well, then there was an inspection, and the inspection coughed up some things that you had right. to negotiate. As, as they are prone to do. You had to negotiate to see who would be paying for said things. Right, You've, right. You you jumped over that hurdle. All seemed well. Last I recall, mid December ish, we were supposed to be uh, not helping you move. Uh, right, right. Well, so the the only the the step that you missed there was the ambiguous delay from the sellers because they're purchasing another home, and so they couldn't really give us a good answer of when they are going to be leaving our home so that we can move in. And then we try to figure out what the closing date is going to be based on that. Uh, so that was sort of an ambiguous time, sometime between mid-November and the end of December. Which but aren't we, very stressful times anyway, so at least oh that's Oh, no, good. it's so relaxing. And moving, you know, during the uh, the heat of the pandemic right. and uh, and so on and so forth. But... So we had gotten to the point where we had decided to close on uh, the 30th. So a week from today, we were going to close and hypothetically move uh, a week from today. So our apartment, it, you can't see it behind me here because i the only thing I've left on the walls are, are the background for this podcast. So we are 90% packed. We have thrown out most of our IKEA furniture, which we need to replace with more IKEA furniture. <laughs> That is new IKEA sawdust. Uh, so here we are thinking we're going to do that, and then we get this email a couple of days ago that says, "Oh, uh, so one of the people who owns the home, not the couple who lived there, but uh, their grandfather, who was also on the deed, died," and which is terribly sad, and and it's it's awful for the sellers. Oh, he's on the deed, though. He's on the deed. So what that means is that you can't sell the house. We can't close until he is off of the deed, or at least the legal system has allowed somebody to take over his interest. And so that normally is a one- to two-week process, which would have fucked up our, our closing anyway. But right now, because of COVID, because A, there are just a, a lot more deaths happening, but also because the offices are closed, they're like, oh, yeah, we can probably do that in 45 to 60 days. To- oh, that's so it could be the new year before you move. Oh, yeah. No, we could be like late January before when- we have any chance of moving. What's your lease situation? Sorry, we're getting into the nitty gritty here, but like, do you have, an, do you have well, a place to live? Uh, yes, yeah, we can stay here. Um, although we we haven't paid our rent for November because, like, oh, we'll use a security deposit for the last month of rent. 
Anyway, it's a big old nightmare. We don't even know for sure if we can do that then, because I'm assuming that the uh, that the sellers, the house they're going to buy, they're not going to want to wait another 45 to 60 days. So they might lose the house they're trying to buy, and then the whole thing comes crashing to a halt. So I have no idea what's going to happen. Our, our lawyer... It promised he was going to call me before 10 today. Well, it is 1 p.m. He has not called yet. So uh, He's, so he's the guy moment, who wrote the email in my package. He, your lawyer is off with, with my PlayStation. Let me tell you, uh, we, we've had some amazing people we're working with in this process. Our lawyer is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> our mortgage guy, terrific. Our, our agents, great. Uh, this guy, Less so. So if you're here to get a recommendation for a real estate lawyer in New Jersey, I have one not to use. <laughs> I love that uh, if we're both 40 now, but if you were to take mm -hmm. this back to uh, Keith and Mike when they're 20, whatever we were when we met each other, oh and you're God. like, you're going to be on a show and one of you is going to be talking about uh, how you can't settle on where, when you're closing for your houses and the other one's mm -hmm. just waiting for his PS5 in the mail. I think we'd be, <laughs> we probably would have been able to suss out who's who. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's not actually true because either one of us, I mean, when when we were living together, I didn't think a house was available to either one of us. I would have been just impressed that one of us could actually purchase a PlayStation. I know. So, you'd be like, wow, man, that's a whole week's salary of uh, touring. Uh, for not you, quite. maybe. Yeah, not I wouldn't quite. get a PlayStation for a week of what I was making <laughs> on tour. <laughs> oh, we... Uh... Yeah, I was. I as I've said before, I was making a colossal three hundred and seventy-five dollars a week, including the per diem and before taxes. You had a part too. I didn't even have a part that made more money than that. <laughs> I don't even know how that, that all shook out. I because I didn't negotiate. I didn't like. I I remember uh, one of our mutual friends was like, he negotiated to have his own bus seat. His bus seat, that was the big th thing. There's like two two seats in each row in the bus. And he got his own double seat. And he was like, yeah, man, I've done this before. I know how to negotiate. I got well, I actually, seat. I took that on for the second tour I did. Um, of course you did. I learned, well, and that, and not only that, but I, I think I've told the story in the pod, stop me, because I won't tell it again. But day one of our tour, I roll into my seatmate, who was this pretty redhead. And I was like, Hell yeah. This mm -hmm. all worked out. I have two months, three months, however long we were out on that tour. Like sitting next to a cute girl every ride. Oh, right. And the first day she's like, hey, I want to tell you I have IBS. And I was like, yeah. Womp, 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 womp. And let me confirm, she did. She did. She did. <laughs> Not that there's anything she's wrong with though. that. Very no, cute. No, uh, uh, please. She's cute though. All right. But you ended up uh, with, with, a, with a different one. I did. On that yeah. show. Always. I sure did. And we're probably going to get to uh, probably a sad ballad or two at some point by the end of this podcast. Probably I don't know. I've, girl. I've sort of cut her out of my heart and brain like a cancer. So I'm not sure anything's left, but we'll see. Oh, come on. You know you wrote her songs. I think I might have a song you wrote about her on my hard drive somewhere. Oh. So look out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. you know, we do a podcast about David E. Kelly's The Practice, award-winning television show, The Practice. And we, we were up to season five, episode 10, Friends and Ex-Lovers. Uh, speaking of ex-lovers, I can't yeah, right? wait to uh, I can't wait to jump in. I know we have a couple of, 
friends who have taken the time to correspond with us, and we'd like to share those correspondence in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. You gave me about 45 minutes to find. I, I was locked and loaded. I was like, when is he ever going to stop talking? <laughs> That was funny. All right. Well, we heard from our good friend Marla Sokolov, Marla's fan page, who uh, commented on one of the pictures from last week's episode, season five, episode nine, The Deal, who wrote uh, with a picture of Marla on the phone. Hi, Key speaking. Lucy represents the mood when you're on the phone with your friends and you hear that crap is happening to to the one person y'all don't like. Check out that picture. That is a very good description of what her uh, face is. All right. Uh, Oh, I've oh I've frozen. Look at me. I'm small. So I think I think depending on how much I freeze is how small the picture gets. So right now I'm super. I'm super super tiny. All right. So. (laughs) (laughs) Now we got uh, now. Now I'm huge. Man, this is... I'm going to have to keep track of this all episode. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think Thanks, it, Jen, Jen. Fix it It fix itself eventually. What's up, CEO Jen? She's... So, CEO Jen, God love her. She is so used to, in this pandemic, being stressed out. And mm-hmm. she's had she's gone back to work, and while she's looking for like a full time job, she's been waiting tables, inside and outdoor, and takeout with masks. Nice restaurant, but still, that's stressful. Can only imagine how stressful yeah. that is. Seriously, in fact, I can imagine because I live in the house with her, so I share that stress. However, yeah, in general, other life, she's like so used to being stressed that when she's not stressed, she just finds things to be triggering. So right now, the the license plate thing is sending her. Over oh, the yeah. moon. So I'm trying. Well, to... if, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we still have a Pennsylvania license plate. Oh, maybe we could swap these. Yeah, we just we just swapped. Well, it's actually handy to have an out-of-state license plate because sometimes when you get pulled over, they don't want to bother with dealing with the out-of-state ticket. The only reason we even did the swap is because, Keith, I cannot even explain to you how much cheaper my car insurance is here. It's almost oh, really? one quarter to the price than it was in New York. That is not surprising. That's, like 50, all right. Well, that's 50 worth fifty bucks a month or something like that. What is it, Jen? Yep. And, and it's insanely cheap. Yes. All right. Well, we're I, we we are going to stay on topic at some point <laughs> a little bit. I, I think it's because we because you know what it was because Mike and I didn't like chit chat before we started yeah. recording. So now we, we just right in. We, we even talked in like a week. So we're just chit chatting about life. So sorry, that's guys. True. Yeah. Uh, all right. So last. And I don't week, have. I literally have no other friends. And uh, I'm very close to my family now, so I I need I need somebody to talk to. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, anyway, so last week on your birthday episode, uh, we heard a couple of times from, of course, our good friend Phoenix, and apparently we made a whole mess of mistakes. Uh, he has a rebuttal. Hey guys, it's Phoenix again. Wait, I was so gracious to him. Prime correctives. I mean, uh, prime objections. Uh, uh, whatever, just just roll the bump. That's a Star Trek TNC reference. Objection! 
Did he just ask you to roll the bumper? He sure did. He's better uh, we're than... Not, we're not he's a better me than me. There will be an appeal. <laughs> I get into it. I just want to make a point to show that I don't always side with Mike. Yeah. Keith, last week I found out that you and I are on the same side of something. Your favorite episode of TV comes from my favorite series, Breaking Bad. Yeah, Earth. fair enough. Mike's favorite. The Leftovers. Uh, I had a visceral hatred for that pilot. Boom! No, he's not wrong with the okay, pilot was that bad. That's done with. Keith, it's time for me to tell you everything that you got wrong. Yeah, I, I, I'm the oh, one that didn't who last got long. everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that did not last long. <laughs> it's partially my fault. You see, in one of my first correspondences, I wrote in with a theory of George Volgeman's diagnosis. At the time, I referenced my undergrad and graduate psych education, but I'm not, as Keith referred to me, a psychotherapist. I never finished my PhD because before I could, I realized that in spite of my skills, it wouldn't have been a fulfilling career, which basically means I got sick of my friends not listening and making the same mistakes over and over and if I couldn't put up with them, I certainly wouldn't find the patience to do it for strangers. Well, and here's another overlap, because I also went to school for something that I didn't end up doing, not necessarily because I couldn't, but because it wasn't fun. Me too! See, we're all the same, and this is how you end up on a podcast and s sending things to a podcast. But don't worry, not being a licensed psychologist won't prevent me from doing my TED Talk on two lonely podcasters. <laughs> By the way, I have no idea how you guys found out about that. I was pretty startled when you joked about it just as I happened to be organizing my speech notes. <laughs> Is he joking? And now I have a I, I hope so. second correction. Keith jumped to the conclusion that mm, I was that's very not Keith. from the South when I only said I wasn't from his very specific guess of Georgia. I am in Georgia. Fact, from Memphis. I almost made that correction six weeks ago until I realized that if I did, Keith would read all my future comments in my non-existent Southern accent. Well, I do declare I would never do something like that down <laughs> in Savannah, where you're clearly from. Are you Blanche Devereaux? From what I understand, it's it's actually pretty common for children not to adopt the accent of their parents when it differs from the local dialect, though obviously I, I didn't do that either. In my case, I grew up hearing a Midwestern, a Brazilian, and Southern accents. Luckily, I was in a metropolis, and I had my own TV, so I <laughs> also heard mixture. many others. As a weird seven-year-old, my favorite TV show was Night Court. So Love Night Court. it's possible that I sound this way because of Oopsie Award winner John Larroquette. Or Bull. Huh. Who's the guy I played Bull? about it, his character Dan Fielding shed know. his southern accent when he moved to New York City. Huh. It's kind of poetic. There it is. Well, and, and I think that that all makes perfect sense. I mean, and, and I think, Phoenix, as we were probably similar children, uh, I developed my pretentious accent from NPR. So I basically just listened to NPR. 
Terry Gross. Terry Gross. Terry Gross is where I learned how to speak very slowly and a little too close to the mic. That's what I do. I watched a ton of 80s commercials. I was like obsessed with toy commercials. So I, if I, maybe that's why I speak like the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> good point. Well, well, all right. So now we have learned more about our good friend, Phoenix. It's all coming together. And uh, when one of us uh, gets fired for budgetary reasons, we know who's going to step up and uh, take over the show. All right, speaking of the show, it is time to move on. Wait. Wait. We also received just moments ago. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read it because I have it pulled up here. We received oh. a, a YouTube comment from friend of the show, Jennifer Masanova, uh, on YouTube known as Lil Lolo. She says, thank you for the birthday wishes, birthday twin, Scorpios. I, felt be- I fell behind on listening, so I missed out on the secret email account, but you'll get a good belated message. Keith, please keep the account open for a little while longer. Happy birthday. Ooh, I will. Okay. Well, I mean, the account will be open forever. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give that to my daughter one day. I don't know why I assume <laughs> it's a daughter I'm having, but... <laughs> You're going to bequeath it. It's yeah. going to be in the will. Is happy40mike at gmail.com. I know. How depressing when I'm dead. Or <laughs> when you're 80. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's what's your email address? Oh, happy birthday, happy 40th birthday, Mike. That's that's your email address? Yeah, yeah, it was my dad. Anyway, I, I took that down a narrative path that I can't really. Uh, yeah, you went, went down a dark alley there. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it happens every once in a while. Well, it is time for us to go down a dark alley of our own and hop back into the time machine and talk about December 17th, the year 2000. And that makes me ask the question, Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Oh, you know, Keith, uh, I do want to tell you that uh, I do have a little thing here. And uh, here it is. It's just got re- unsized because I was putting your pictures in. And it... Wait, oh. hold on. Jen, the mailman's here. <gasps> the mailman. Get the PlayStation. Get the PlayStation. Jen, the mailman's here. Mailman. Get the mailman. Get down there. Oh, God. Oh, God. You can make a birthday wish come true. He's got the box. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody is getting a PlayStation. For his 40th birthday. You're seeing seeing a 40th birthday miracle come true. It is a miracle. We've been waiting and we've hearing you bitching about getting a pre-order for about a month (laughs) and a half. And now it's finally at the door. And he just left it. He read my note and just left it, and he's pissed. Wow. What if I shout well, out the that's... window, like, how dare you leave it on the street? <laughs> God. Yeah, piss right. off your mailman. That's always a good idea. Let's get this shit done. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> Mike just, like, quits halfway through because he wants to play with his PlayStation. Understandable. All right, All right. So talk about December 17th, the year 2000, where the best console was probably, what, a Sega Genesis? Jen, Jen, paying, Jen you, go, you not, think you're going to open that? He's not paying any attention. He's Jen, pay, he's, you want to open it to present it to me? He's All protecting right, so, his box. December 17th was kind of, you know, we talked about how kind of it was sad before. And uh, yes. it, it was. Um, but I do I do remember one funny thing is that my dad consistently wanted me to smuggle him in burgers and fries, which I think is probably very common. Oh, that is the box being opened. Oh, boy, it's Maybe, a big moment. 
All right, hold on. I guess we're just doing this now. Let me go to my one. Let me go to my one shot. Go to the one. Go to the one. I'll I'll get the music going again. Oh, boy. It's very exciting. Hey! Hey! Wow. There it is, folks. It is a lonely, childless man has the greatest thing in his life. (laughs) Hey! Amazing! Oh, there's the controller and everything. CEO Jen is displaying it. Oh my god, what a moment. What a moment. No, I don't have any games, so if anybody wants to belated birthday present, you want to send a gift card. Wow, this is a really big moment for the podcast. Wow. Well, thank you. Congratulations. I really appreciate it. Congratulations. This has been... uh, Uh, This episode brought to you by Sony. Sony, Sony, not at all sponsoring us. Well, and to be fair, uh, I guess I can say it on air because I guess it's I'm gonna, sponsoring them. In fact, that it's kind of the, yeah the other way around. So we, uh, uh, Jillian and I and Eric and Elise bought uh, our parent, our uh, Jillian's and Elise's parents, a new Sony TV that's arriving tomorrow. <laughs> for thank you with all the house stuff. So. I was pretty excited about that. So between the two of us, we have dropped a great deal of money at Sony. Now the UPS man is coming to the door with another package. Oh my God. This is uh Jen, we got another package. Okay. <laughs> now it's time for a random Amazon order. Is it socks? <laughs> it could be head and shoulders. <laughs> We're getting chicken wire. We're putting chicken wire out on the balcony so the cats can be out there and and frolic. Oh, chicken wire! (laughs) Oh, my God. I hope you like us, dear listener, because this one is... Okay. All right, so my dad would have me smuggle him... um, uh, cheeseburgers and stuff, and then one... And I would bring them, you know, because they they didn't give a shit. And then one morning, he calls me... It's like 2.30 a.m. And he goes, Mike, I need you to get me. I need you to get me Scrapple. Now, if if you're not from Pennsylvania, Scrapple is basically like explode a sausage, like an unknown meat sausage, into just like a thicker patty and uh, mix it with like spam. It's, I don't know, it's nasty. But people love it That is a very generous way of putting that. It is. As a, as a, as a, Pennsylvanian in law, what Scrapple is, is blended entrails congealed in a bar of lard. It's horrible. It so, is. to continue that story, <laughs> uh, I said, okay, Dad, this is 2.30 in the morning. And then at 3.15 in the morning, he called me back and he's like, so? And so I then realized that he said he basically wanted it right this now. Minute. So I had to go to the Acme which is a local supermarket. I don't know if it might be national. And uh, I was the guy at Acme at 3.30 in the morning buying Scrapple. And uh, I would, can only imagine what that guy thought of me, what he thought my existence was. He surely probably didn't put together that I was trying to give my dying father food. <laughs> Scrapple, that's all he wanted. Um, yeah, anyway. So that's about... The- <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's... Midnight Scrabble! Congealed animal parts mixed in lard!
All right, so it's the Christmas season, Keith, out in Vermont. Something's out. telling me, and by something I mean these pictures you sent me, that we have uh, something to share. Yes, indeed. So uh, as I don't remember anything that happened to me at that point, going into my parents' archive of photographs, on December 17th, the year 2000, my, uh, my parents and my younger brother installed our Christmas tree. Now, uh, as is tradition in uh, Underhill, we get a giant tree because we had sort of a high ceiling in the living room. And so we would go out into, uh, we there was like a, a forest. It was, because we wanted a giant tree, there was an old tree farm that had been abandoned and the trees got overgrown. And so we would go through a farm field, hike up half of a mountain, cut it down, and then uh, and then tie it to the roof of the car, and then uh, install it. Now, if you you can cycle through these, this is uh, what I, there was also part of the tradition was complaining that they got the smallest, charliest, brownest tree out there. That doesn't look small to me. This this is probably the smallest tree that we got when there were people other than my parents living there. It's a little smaller these days. Before I cycle to the next one, though, I want you to just yeah. give me a little background on that vehicle. Oh, uh, well, we had a my father had a tradition for a good part of my childhood, and that was instead of having two cars that worked, he wanted to have six cars, none of which really worked, and they all did like one thing at a time. So that was some old shitty Volvo that we had for like three years. Yeah, that looks like a micro machine Volvo that's had the shit kicked out of it that got magically supersized. It's yeah, it certainly did, and uh, it was not with us very long. In fact, I don't, I barely remember even having it. Uh, but it was good for moving a tree. That is my dad. It's it's odd on December seventeenth not to have snow in Vermont. It was must have been unseasonably warm. But there's uh, my dad pulling in the tree through the kitchen, and uh, so we would. There's that's my brother and my dad. So that's that was our it still is the living room there that would go up there. And unfortunately, the annoying part about this tree this year is it didn't hit the ceiling. So mm. it was, we we once, of course, put the tree through the ceiling, uh, getting it into the stand. And now they decide to be wussy about it and get a tiny tree that year. It's mainly because I wasn't there and we remedied it the next year. So that is the Varney family tree edition. She's a beauty. Yeah, she's a, she's a beaut, Clark. She's a beaut. She was a she. She was a little one. I, I I was. I'm I'm disappointed that that is the introduction to our trees because we have had much more exciting trees. But that was what happened, December seventeenth, the year two thousand. Remind me next week, um, or maybe I'll just remind myself as I'm editing this crap together. We should do I a more. We should do a more TV next week about like our favorite Christmas shows to watch during the holiday season. Like growing oh. up and today, like just make the segment about that. I think that would be fun. Okay. Because it's begun. I, In my household, it's begun. Yeah, my household, we didn't have one. We watched hockey fights. But we'll we'll get to that. But right. first, we're going to do... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now we back have this to week. Keith and Mike. All right, folks. We, as mentioned, are talking about December 17th, the year 2000. 
the top song continued to be Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. The local Burlington Free Press, the cover talked about at least 10 killed in Alabama twisters. There was a Christ. whole crazy uh, cycle of twisters. I believe it ended up being 11. I did a little research after that. So uh, is, I, I love whenever we have such a cheery song and then horrible news happening in the paper. <laughs> Speaking of horrible news, the top movie was What Women Want. The Ooh. Mel Gibson feature, which took in $33 million. It turns out, Keith, this just in, it turns out they want anti-Semitism. Uh, yeah, apparently, yes. They uh, want all the anti-Semitism and raging white male rage they can get. All right, that means it is time for... It's time, it's time, time. It's time for sports. The New York football giants continued their tear through the NFL with a 17-13 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Amani Toomer caught a 33-yard touchdown in a game that only featured 370 total yards of offense. The Eagles were on a strange Week 16 bye. You had a, the Eagles had their bye in week 16. Did you did you dig and as to why that was? You know what? We could use a bye right now and, and just buy us into next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You you're you're bad. I watched uh I watched the game this week. It, you know, usually I can just turn it off because back in the New York days I had to like backdoor in through Ukraine or something to get it to watch the game. But, right, uh, right. Now it's just the only thing to watch and it's friggin' depressing. So on, on the plus side, you're not forced to watch the Jets. <laughs> oh, God. Did they win yet? No. No. They're not going to win this year. I did you watch that be- uh, that Chiefs-Raiders game last night. What a great game. That was fun. That was definitely fun. Okay, that was sports ball. Sorry, everyone. Roll it up. I'm ready for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Are you? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I saw you carrying that tree, and I figured we should can tell everybody tell what, why you needed... It was unseasonably warm in Vermont, I can tell you that. Why you needed those chains. Was it hot? Did, Did it, it snow? snow? Apparently not. Tell, tell me the weather from 21 years ago. Keith, it was unseasonably warm in Vermont... It was 55.9 degrees Fahrenheit. Oof. It did go down to 19 degrees overnight. But I want to tell you, Sounds the total right. precipitation was still an inch from snow melt. And uh, the total snow depth for you, Keith, was two inches at the time. So you were carrying that tree in through a, uh, a measly two inches of snow. Yeah, well, they have more than that right now. Mm, well. It was a different time, Keith. It was a different time. But in King of Prussia with Mike, while he was out going to the Acme to get that Scrapple, Mm, we're talking also warm in the Northeast, 57.5 degrees. It got all the way up to 66, though. It was basically spring in December. It went down to 46 degrees overnight. There was no snow, and there is no data on snow depth. Now, let's go back into our metaverse. In Boston, Massachusetts, where the team... Mm was getting ready for their Christmas festivities. Yes. It was a high of 65 degrees, a great day to walk your puppy if you oh, just recently yeah. received a new puppy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it From did get cold killer. overnight, and there was no snow. So you know what? If you didn't have a puppy to walk, it'd be a great day for you to uh, have to defend your old buddy from murdering his uh, 
his business partner. And that is your time machine weather. Oh, I love you. Have a uh, nice warm weather to have that uh, have that scrapple be soft and slimy. Mm. Mm. Congealed, scrapple. nice and congealed. Scrapple. I'm a human being. Oh, God wait. damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk Uh, this episode of The Practice is Season 5, Episode 10. Boy, you know, if you skipped ahead to get through all of our bullshit to get to the episode, you skipped a lot today. <laughs> Did you? Or nothing. We'll, well never know. We'll never know. Y- y- you skipped a great deal of time. I, I was not qualifying what the time, how the time was spent. All right. This episode was written by David E. Kelly and Lucas Reiter. The uh, who last wrote on Appeal and Denial. It was directed by Michael Zinberg, who last directed Life Sentence, which means, mercifully, we only have one more thing to do. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? I got plenty. Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? Yes, it is. What? What? What, what does Mike think's gonna happen? Now, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, it seems pretty clear to me we have two things to deal with. We have to deal with the fact that at the tail end of last episode, Bobby's buddy and, uh, I guess, uh, permanent cast member of the season, Bruce Davidson, uh, straight up shot his business partner in the heart. Partner in the heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, Four Mm -hmm. times, I counted, four gunshots. And then he emptied the click, which means he only put four bullets in the in the gun because there should have been six odd. in the click. Yeah, yeah, because because he made the point to threaten uh, Eleanor and uh, and Jimmy with it, but he only he put four bullets. That's an odd choice. And the other ongoing case we have is the Mister Hinks case, where he uh, was acquitted of murder and then began stalking Lindsay, giving her a puppy. Uh, there was an injunction put against him. Uh, he can't stalk Lindsay, Helen, or Lucy, if I recall. Or the judge. Uh, or the judge. But something tells me that that is not uh, going to stay. So, my big swing predictions this week is that we see Mr. Hinks again, and this time he ambiguously, we who we think it's Mr. Hinks, murders the psychologist. The psychologist gets dead. Okay. Um. <clears throat> And also, I think at some point, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay runs over, somebody runs over the puppy. Oh, okay, poor we puppy. See that, I know, we see that in the rearview mirror. Are you going to kill uh, a puppy, Mike? Are you going to kill a puppy? And then lastly, what I'm confused, what I don't know is whether Bobby's going to defend B. Davidson again. Or if we get a flippity do, and maybe Bobby's working with the DA or something because he was, I don't know. Something's got to happen. I don't have a guess for that. My big swing because is is two the of his partners were threatened <laughs> by his client. Yeah, it feels weird that Bobby like it, I don't know how they would justify Bobby defending him. So there's something weird going to be there. But I'm going to say that the the therapist getting killed is my big swing. All right, so therapists and puppies are gonna die. Coming up next on The Practice, Season 5, Episode 10, Friends and Ex-Lovers. We'll see you back on the YouTubes after this. Season 5, Episode 10, 
friends and ex-lovers, and this episode rolls in right from the previously on, so it's a continuation of the episode, so we're going to pick it up right at the climax of last week. Easier if you kill yourself. People are going to say, see, he killed her, he killed himself. Is that the legacy that you really want to leave, Scott? No. Four shots. He had this look on his face. He... Oh, right into a deposition. Love it. He just seemed a little outside of himself. What do you mean? I mean, something snapped in this guy. At first, it just seemed like he was going to kill himself. And then he turned the gun on Duval and he just started shooting. I mean, I'm just thankful he didn't shoot me. Me too. You didn't yeah. know he had brought the gun? Of course not. He just pulled it out. I don't even know from where. What was his demeanor? Well, he was building into this rage, you know. It was building up and up. And then we thought he was going to kill himself. Then a kind of calm came over him. Calm in what way? Well, when Duval said, don't do it, don't kill yourself, and Scott said, you're absolutely right, he said it, it was with this evil, revenge kind of calm. It's very specific, mm. Jimmy. It's the best way I can describe it. If he's still your client, do you're you not doing him any favors right killing? now. Absolutely. From your observation. So are there any particular adjectives you would use? Yeah, I feel like evil, evil. revenge killer is really what I'm thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, you know, I, I have complaints about my lawyers right now, uh, but he has never told the police that I'm evil and a revenge killer. So, I mean, there's that. And well, actually, while we're doing it, let me introduce this uh, detective. Who's dead? Detective I just introduced. Who's dead? Guy who's getting a pretty good case from one of the dude's lawyers. Yes, indeed. This is Mick Scriba, who uh, was in the negotiator conspiracy theory theory. Wild Wild West, and this is actually his third appearance on The Practice, but I don't think we've actually given him an introduction because we've never had more than a line or two. He knew what he was doing. Oh, he knew exactly. This guy didn't snap here. He made a decision. He decided to kill this Duval guy, and he did. What happened to the don't You're say sure anything directive? Your observation. <laughs> I'm totally sure. It was an execution. Thanks, Jimmy. Oh, it was an execution. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Richard Bay's like, cha-ching! We should mention Richard Bay's there. He hasn't said anything. Yeah. Man, don't piss off Jimmy. Man, he will cut a bitch. <laughs> I Bobby? mean, he's he's not wrong, although I would not have characterized that as premeditated. He did no, it appear seemed like an in-the-moment kind of decision. Yeah, because like he 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 was he went there to kill himself, it looked like. In front of the guy. Although premeditation, premeditation, I don't think needs to be a long process. He clearly made a decision. You know what? I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to kill this guy instead. That's premeditation still, I think. Well, but I think that's a good question. How long do you have to premeditate for it to be premeditated? But I don't think in that situation, because like he didn't go into the room planning to kill him. Because under under that guise, literally anything is premeditated. Because before you do something, you think about it for a split second at least. As, look, the older I get, the more I do worry about premeditation. You know what I'm saying? Rejected. Gross. Mitchell, I didn't even tell you the offer. It doesn't matter, Helen. That should tell you something. Oh, 
come on. You can't be expecting to win this. The guy's sitting in a van with 100 grams of heroin. And I keep telling you, my client is a chemist whose only mistake was working Breaking so bad? hard he fell asleep at the wheel. What he had no idea those heroin. Mitchell, we used to date. You forget. I could always tell when you were lying. But you could never tell when I was. I love TV exposition. It's <laughs> no people talk that way. You know, you, you don't have to remind him you used to date. He recalls. Well, I agree, Mike and Deglio, who I <laughs> toured with back in 2003. <laughs> but I'm really glad to take this opportunity while you sit in your home in Philadelphia with your wife, Jen, to introduce... Guy who dated... What's her name before? She's got a type. Handsome? Yes, actually, if you are... <laughs> I'm not exactly sure where, the where like, the Venn diagram happens here with our listeners. If you happen to be a fan of this podcast and also, for some reason, a fan of the Boston Bruins, this guy looks <laughs> like a young Andy Brickley, who was one of the commentators of, uh, of Jack and Andy... Anyway, his name is James Colby as D.A. Mitchell Reese from the Profiler Waterfront. He plays, he was also in Amazing Spider-Man 2, Madoff, and Empire. But here's my favorite part. He has played eight different characters on Law & Order. Wait, your favorite part's not the fact that he looks like a guy who commentated for the Boston Bruins at one point? Who continues to commentate for the Bruins. Mm. He was an ex-player, but he... Uh, He's, he's great. Jack and Andy are amazing. Uh, let's not forget, this is also the podcast that at one point uh, showed an emaciated uh, goaltender for some sort of gag, visual gag I did. I don't even remember the visual gag, but I do remember Run I, Tug I did Nut. it. Tugnut! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that it came up again. Oh my God, Tugnut. <laughs> All right. Where were we? Doesn't. I'm not after your client. I'm after his boss. All I need is a name. Helen. He's facing 15 years. We're offering five. Why would you turn that down? Because I'm not a DA anymore. I'm a defense lawyer. That's one Ooh, reason. Ooh, ex-DA. The other is my More client exposition. is innocent. What'd you have for breakfast? Hey, I'm pregnant. So am I. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Wait, Lucy's pregnant too? Live here now. No, his they're teasing. His name is Chopper. And yeah. Until he gets house trained, and I know that he won't pee on my carpet. Actually, all right, so there's a lot going on <laughs> there. here. One, the show is making a uh, an inside joke about half their cast being pregnant. Uh, I thought that was funny, like soft break of the fourth wall. Also, uh, so Lucy is riding Jimmy's shoulders, putting things up on the tree, and Jimmy is going to fat shame her? Yes. Ask her what she, yeah, okay, great. Um, Just want to be clear. Meanwhile, uh, Cameron at least is working. Uh, right. Eugene is supervising the tree situation. He's just mm -hmm, standing mm -hmm. watching them. Drinking Bobby has cocoa. stormed in, pissed about something. And my guess is going to be that his partners uh, sold his client down the effing river. Down the river, into the ocean, into the bottom of the ocean, out into space. Which is where the prison is, yeah. Which is where right, he is yeah. now in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, my office. Yep, we were right on that. Yeah. Lindsay's eating a sensible dull yogurt. <laughs> What's wrong? You told the police that Scott Wallace acted with premeditation? He yeah, did. I also told me he executed lawyer, the guy. Not on this, I'm not. Eleanor and I were witnesses. And Eleanor correctly said he snapped. I you don't agree. 
Whether you... You weren't there, so how do you know what's correct? I know Scott's mental state. I was in the room. You basically screwed our insanity defense. I was in the room. If there was even a question. There wasn't. Not to me. He didn't snap. He knew exactly what he was doing. I was a witness. And I don't appreciate... He also almost killed you, so I feel like you do get a little bit of a leeway here, Jimmy. Yeah. When somebody says, aren't you glad I didn't put more bullets in my gun after murdering somebody, I think that does give me a little bit of a bias against that person. I mean, uh, beyond watching him murder somebody. I wasn't. Or feeding me what you think the truth should be. I was in the room. What happened in that room was the result of many things that took place before. I told him what I saw. All right. Bobby's on 11! Bobby, of course you should tell the truth. Well, if you're wrong, Jimmy, your mistake could cost a man a life sentence. That was way out of line. Scott Wallace. I don't care. You were way out of line. Yes, white. There's some the fuzzy B-roll. Completely B-roll. smashed. It was a white van hey! with the words Grace Pharmaceutical on the side. Colin Taylor's Robinson, back. Did you see anyone behind the wheel? Yes. Well, I didn't Jesus took the wheel first. His head was mm. kind of hunched. But as I got closer, I could see it was the defendant. How would you describe the defendant's condition? This is he had Neil a deep laceration on the left side of his forehead. There was blood on his head and also on the windshield. Would you say Mario When ESU arrived, they transported well, Mr. Yes. Macklin no. to the hospital. Officer, when the defendant went to the hospital, what happened to his van? It was taken to the police impound yard, where a routine inventory search was done. Were you present for that search? Yes. Could you tell the jury what you found? We found a black bag Watching Holland Taylor just to listen to stuff is still riveting. Of heroin. We also recovered two yeah. large barrels. The first containing several gallons of phenylacetic acid. The other with a similar quantity of methylene. Officer, do you know what those chemicals are used for? Yes, to make it's a drug done. called methamphetamine. He is Walter White. You found White. those items in the rear compartment of the van. That's correct. There were no drugs found in the passenger compartment. We didn't find any. And you also didn't find any drugs on my client, did you? No. What about fingerprints? Did you find any of my client's fingerprints in the black bag you mentioned? No readable prints were recovered. Thank you, officer. Nothing further. Even sounds like a witness Berkman. may step down. We'll break for lunch. Resume at two o'clock. Adjourned. I still think we can resolve this. Helen. It's a lot of drugs, more than any street level soldier gets to carry it. Look, our next witness is going to testify that he saw your client put the bag in the van. Why would you? We're not interested in your deals. He's looking at 15 Unless years. you let me take I'm you to dinner. I am beginning to get angry now. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. That's we an Incredible today. Hulk reference, you know? Mm -hmm. Bruce Bannery. Commonwealth versus Scott Wallace, murder in the first degree, murder... Bobby Donald for the defendant, Your Honor, way reading, enter plea of not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. Given my client's mental infirmity, and regular we would cast be requesting member, bail. Denied. We'd also be requesting an early trial date since Mr. Wallace's continued deterioration. Mr. Bay? I could be ready Robert in two David weeks, Hall, Your Honor. Back as trial Judge date Michelson. in two weeks, defendant stays in custody. Your Honor, the court should know two lawyers from Mr. Donald's firm will be witnesses. My client is prepared to waive the conflicts. Whoa, whoa, just a second. It's not that simple. Two of your lawyers will be witnesses? How so? They were present at the shooting. 
I want affidavits from the attorneys, and I'll hear from you again on this before I agree. I have grave concerns, Mr. Donnell. We're in recess. Yeah, we all do. I will be in to see you this afternoon. Again, do not talk to anybody. No guards, no inmates. Look, I get Bobby's... Wait for me to get there. It's... He's always really hyper-loyal to his friends, but... Jimmy and... Who else was in the room? Cameron, right? Camp and Sam? Yeah, and Eleanor. They're Are you both sure the his friends, didn't too. Commit suicide? You know, Richard, for such a clever guy, you should be able to figure out why everybody hates you. Yeah, it's like I'll he's more loyal the, the further trial. out in the concentric circle it is. Like, I bought a bagel from this guy in 1987! I'm gonna he's kill like myself the for him! The, the, the reverse sure circle man, of grief. This is yeah. so stupid they're getting. They're asking to see prosecutors. <laughs> right through here. Ms. Gamble. Oh, Mr. Macklin, I can't speak to you. You're represented by counsel. No, I'm not. Did you fire right. Mr. Reese? Let's I can't do this fire before him, Ms. Gamble. He works it. for them. Defendant that Helen is prosecuting. Maybe defendant says he's not a defendant, but he's like the guy who used to be the the, the guy that. Well, he's saying. Well, he's about to explain why he is not comfortable with his lawyer. This is, I, I was disappointed in you for a minute because you just fell right off the pitch, Keith, but then you got there. I got there. I got there. This is Daniel Zellman as Kevin Macklin. And what's interesting about him, not his acting career, his writing career. He is a writer mm. and creator. He wrote Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, the sequel to Anaconda, and Fool's Gold. So you think, oh, he's a terrible writer. Uh, although I do love the Anaconda movies. Uh, but he actually created and wrote on Damages. Okay. He created Damages and Bloodline. He also is giving me some Cusack vibes. He is a little bit. Yeah. So He works for. Hold on. I, I want to He has more money than we do. Mr. Macklin, you have counsel. No, I, I don't. You know, I... I can I can tell just by looking at him that his anaconda don't want none unless Bobby's got buns, son. And if you tell Mr. Reese that we had this conversation, I'll be killed. Comedian? Oh, shit. My whole family will. <laughs> I want to help you, but you have to help me. Oh, shit. He's going a couple layers deep in the Matrix here. Clearly setting up the idea that his lawyer is owned by the drug cartel. The motion's about whether I can represent you. Technically, since lawyers at my firm are material witnesses, that would prevent me from being able to represent you without a waiver. I'm going to have Dr. Murphy examine you again, okay? He's the same doctor I had look at you before. Scott, I, I need for I you to talk think to me here. Bruce Davidson and I need for you to talk to Dr. Murphy. Or something, because he is in every episode. Now, Bobby. Look, you may think everything's over now, and you know what? Maybe it is. But maybe it doesn't have to be. Your whole life depends on this We're going to keep month. finding reasons to keep you on you this season. Like sulking. Bobby, he killed it, dude. Scott, I won't pretend to know what you're going through. But I do know you need help. And you need to let me help you. 
And the more you tried to help and him, the, the more people he murders. You've trusted me up to now. You gotta keep trusting me. You wanna be on 10 more episodes? Better follow yeah. my lead. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's still three more seasons. Denny Crane will not take as kindly to this type of behavior. No. And he wants to talk to you. First of all, you shouldn't have continued the conversation. I only did it because it seemed to be a matter of life and death. And if what he is saying is true, well, I guess then he I'm doesn't have really to make have him show counsel, his penis to the courtroom first. Mm, mm. Where is he now? In the lighting cell, is can have excellent him here in, 30 in this seconds. episode. There has to be a defense attorney present. Why? Because there does. She's got a candelabra on her desk. She does. What, you don't? I do have a sensible candle in the background. Mr. Young? Hey, Eugene! You think he'll say something, maybe? I sure hope so. Mr. Young, this is Kevin Macklin. I need you to just stand here while I figure this out. Figure what out? Just hold a wall up for a second, please. (laughs) Ah, great line. All right, Mr. Macklin. What is it you wanted to see me about? Like I told Ms. Gamble, I want to plead guilty. Whoa, Your Honor, I'm out of here. Stay still, Mr. Young. Eugene's the only one playing by the rules. If you want to plead guilty, sir, that is your right. But you need to discuss that with your lawyer. Mr. Reese doesn't really represent me. When I got arrested, the people I work for arranged for him to defend me. His job is to make sure I don't talk to the police. And if he found out we were having this conversation right now... So, Helen's ex-boyfriend is a Jimmy McGill. So it would seem, yeah. That's kind of cool. I'd be dead. This whole... This whole I mean, maybe they based Breaking Bad on this episode. Or I guess it's Saul they, Good... Um, he's a Saul okay, Goodman. Okay, Mr. Macklin. Saul Goodman, yeah. Let's see what happens. Mr. Young, as of now, I'm appointing you this defendant's shadow counsel. It's ironic Breaking Bad came up last week. You know, I, I, I've been thinking about this, too, because I, I feel like, uh, now granted, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, my God, I can't think of his name. Breaking Bad guy. Right. Chris Cranston. Brian Cranston. No. Oh, no. oh uh, Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan. He, he's got made all the money. He doesn't need to do anything. But I do feel like maybe it's binge culture, but I feel like a lot of these shows that are so excellently written and a lot of the HBO stuff suffers from this too, which is why you have to commend these, these serial writers. They, some of these seasons, there's like over a year and a half, two years of lag before the next batch of content comes. And I feel like... Um, I love Breaking Bad. It's on my top five list. And I I think in many ways, uh, what's Saul Goodman's, uh, what's that one called? A Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul, yeah. I actually, I think is better in some ways. I think some of the performances are like even more astounding. But Interesting. there's such a wide gap between the seasons that it's it, it suffers because of that. I think it suffers a great deal because of that. Well, I have to, what I... Every time something like that happens, I watch the entire previous season before the next season starts. So so I'll watch everything twice, but I, I'll watch 
season three, and then be right before season four comes out, I'll watch season three and four. Are you caught up on Better Call Saul? Uh, I'm a season behind. Oh, so This last season is so good, dude. Shadow what? I am removing Mr. Reese with Mr. Macklin's consent, and I am assigning you in his place. Well, you can't do that. I can do it, and it's done. In the next eight hours, I expect you to conference this case with your client. Man, Kilson really attorney, has her away with, with Bobby Donald's office. With anybody else, make eh? my life easier. She sure does. What about Reese. Until I say so, nobody says anything to Mr. Reese. Just glad clear. she has a line. Your That's not I'll just adjourn xenophobia. The case until tomorrow. So if there's there a lot no happening in this episode then, already. Is there going to be room for for my Mr. Haynes prediction? This courthouse. Uh, my reputation with the state, that's one thing. But these are my colleagues. I can't start representing their clients behind their backs. Under the circumstances, I don't think we have much of a choice. Uh, what are you going to tell Reese? That the judge suddenly isn't feeling well and the case is continued until tomorrow. That's all he has to know. You're putting me into a position where Talk I can't... Talk to your client, Eugene. I want an update by the end of the day. Doesn't that also potentially put Eugene in she's like sick. actual danger? Evidently. We're Quite possibly, yeah. She's probably in a hotel. The also looks like Bruce Campbell. Wouldn't doubt it. Remember the time we zipped off to a motel during the recess of the Abrams trial? Okay, don't remember. Yeah, she remembers. Back without your underwear. Please. That's a okay, appropriate thing idea. to say in a courtroom hallway. After the trial's <laughs> over, loser takes the winner to the north end. Yeah, I knew that Dinner was coming. Emilio's. You Mitchell, it. let's just try to get through this thing before we start making social plans, okay? It feels very David sure. Kelly. It is. I better go. I want to see my client before he goes back to county. Actually, I think he's gone by now. You might have to wait some on that. Now, if it was full David E. Kelly at the end of the trial or something, he'll open his briefcase and her underwear will be in there because it's a very specific callback. So some shit like that. Although I That's feel true. like if that were the case, you'd have a pair of panties on the, uh, on the two-shot. <laughs> That's true. Here's a tip, Mr. Macklin. Don't ever tell the prosecutor you're guilty. What am I supposed to do? I'm not going to jail for this. Oh, for a universe where Keith has to Google panties transparent dot PNG. <laughs> People, not 15 yeah, years. Well, you well, know me. I'm too conservative. I'd, I'd pick something else. You're looking at yeah. witness protection. I know this. For you and your family. Basically, your life is over and you get the privilege of starting a new one. So what happens next? I'll make the deal. But first you tell the DA who you work for, and she's so going to want into details in writing. Now, assuming it makes, you testify. Then you go into witness protection and join your family. You sure you want to do this? As opposed to 15 years? Yeah, I'm sure. It's fair. Probably do that too. Could you add a little more foam? Thanks. So we know Lindsay is uh, type A with her coffee orders. Hi, decaf, no whip, non-fat mocha, please. Okay. Oh, Hanks. Oh, shit. Lindsay. I wouldn't have thought Hanks drinks decaf. Judge wouldn't like this. You have a restraining order against you, a thousand feet. It never enjoined me from getting coffee. How was I to know you'd be here? 
Well, now you know. So get out. It's so Could creepy. you put a rush on that mocha, please? I'm trying to elude capture. The puppy you sent? What a cute idea. Oh, Jen's back again. She doesn't look happy. What puppy? What puppy? He didn't send the puppy? Well, we, we got what the Instagram was referencing. Off. So he's insane when it comes to shooting people, but for capacity to waive conflicts, he's competent. His mental state is another reason I need to be on this case, Your Honor. Scott Wallace is not very communicative at the moment. He needs somebody he can trust. But can he fully trust you? Mr. Berluti, it seems, will be a vital prosecutorial witness. I will represent Mr. Wallace zealously. With no regard for Mr. Belluti's interests, I say other, that now Bobby as an Wallace. officer of the Did court. Did they like have what about an, Ms. an adventure in college or something? That she'll lean more towards being an advocate. The fact that Ms. Frutt is a member of my firm gives Mr. Bay a free shot. He can impeach with bias. Apparently, it was like yeah, a, so a summer camp client, for future murderers because everyone Bobby's here. ever known as well somebody. as dangers. But the net result remains: Scott Wallace is best served with me as his attorney. And to find Chianti. If the client waives the conflicts, I won't oppose. Mr. Wallace, are you waiving the conflicts? Uh, yes, Your Honor. I strongly advise against it, sir. But I won't stop you. And I'm Thank a medical you. examiner. Witness so. lists by the end of the week. We'll see you for trial in two weeks. Bobby. Not that you'd ever take my advice, but I'd at least get a second chair from another firm. You're right. Yes. I'll never take your advice. He's absolutely People giving you good nice. advice. Everybody's trying to help we his client out here. The guilty plea. Enter guilty to narcotic trafficking. Mr. Macklin goes into witness protection. All of this is conditioned on a detailed statement. And you're confident this man has the information to warrant such a break? He's the chemist. He's got names, locations. He's a gold mine. What if he turns out not to be a gold mine? Then I have the right to call the deal off. Eugene? A little quiet. I think the whole thing stinks. Not to betray my new client, but he could be making everything up. And on his word alone, we've gone behind the back of defense counsel. It smells lousy to me. Do I look like I'm having fun? All right. A little bit. Let's bring him in. Mitchell? Oh, good God. Eugene. Hey. What's going on? There's no easy way to say this, counsel, so I'll get right to the point. Thank you. The trial is over. What do you mean? You're granting a mistrial? There's no mistrial. Your client, Mr. Macklin, has pled guilty. Guilty? That's ridiculous. How could he plead guilty without a lawyer? He had a lawyer. At Mr. Macklin's request, I assigned Eugene Young to replace you. Excuse me? Where is my client? What is this, some sort of a joke? Get my client in here now. At his request, Mr. Macklin entered witness protection an hour ago. Witness protection? Helen? He claims you were hired to defend him by the drug ring and that you actually work for them. And you believed him? He also feared for his life. So what, you just replaced me? Forget about that date, Helen. When you asked for a continuance. <laughs> that was a lie. At the time, I felt it was I'm taking best your panties out of you. my briefcase. 
Helen, you've known me for 12 years. I prosecuted these cases. Didn't you think I deserved to know about this? At least have a chance to defend myself. How could we tell you? If the client was right, it might get him killed. Well, you made a mistake. Both of you. I'm going straight to the bar. Who hired you to represent Kevin Macklin? Go to hell. I'll ask you again. Who hired you to represent Kevin Macklin? I'm not saying anything. You don't have a choice. Mitchell, this is a subpoena commanding your immediate appearance before a grand jury. Oh, snap. Mitchell, Helen McRambo. Trouble. to you. You tell us now or you tell us then. Attorney-client privilege. Your Honor, the person who hired me is also a client. Who I represent is highly confidential. The identity of your client is outside the privilege. Not when you have elements of the crime and revealing the identity could incriminate. I am ordering you to answer, counsel. Well, I won't. It's an interesting dynamic here. I'm glad that, like, it's a, a story we haven't told yet. Yeah. It does seem a, a big leap of faith. And, and, and it's interesting, too, because the past couple times there's been, you know, Bobby's office asking for a deal or some sort of <clears throat> uh, plot. Right. Kittleson is always very... Uh, Kittleson and Linda Hunt are always very quick to shut that shit down. You know, right. they don't give them an inch. However, it's clear here that she sided with, she gave Helen a lot more leeway. Granted, you know, the stakes were very high, but nonetheless, you know, that's not something Kittleson would generally go for. Although, I think based on Kittleson's sort of Fourth Amendment feelings, it mm -hmm. might have been Sixth Amendment feelings, and with her sort of uh, xenophobia, I feel like she might be just uh, on the prosecutor's side of things more often. So maybe Helen's getting more leeway because she is the prosecution. He made again. One or two. You should get him house Oh trained my God, that dog is He's fucking cute. Here. I, so I love how they're like letting that dog run around now, but, but and Lucy's taking care of it. Like names. it was Only put there by a serial killer, they think. He's going before the grand jury today. Well, does it matter who went in first? A thousand feet's a thousand feet. Okay. Thanks. Got a lot of stockings in the office. They can't arrest him. They're going to pay him a visit and try to scare him again. Yeah, that seems to be effective. Jimmy, can I talk to you? Oh, he's taking a different tone here. Jimmy. Please I'm sorry be nice to my summer camp buddy. The emotion of this case. I apologize. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Was that that hard? Scott Wallace is a very good friend of mine, and I think. I understand. Look, as his friend, I think I'm in a pretty good position to know whether he's cracking up or. I know everything that led up to this, and I also know you. Being in that room as the shots were being fired. What are you saying? I think it's possible that you perceive things other than perhaps they were. Oh, oh really up. just Bobby. a manipulative First tactic, you try to tell Bobby. me what the truth is. You know, it's surprising to me. You know, Jimmy, yes, they're a little uneven with their, not, maybe not uneven. They're fairly consistent these days, but he does, he does roller coaster up and down. Jimmy's kind of His IQ up. has, has, Dro uh, drops and, and raises by about 30 points 
episode but they, to episode. I feel like they're often, especially this season, writing Bobby into a bizarre corner where he is just antagonistic. He's not great with his his fiance. He's he used to be a lot more likable, and and I'm finding that I'm turning a corner. I think that's a really good point. It really has not been a very likable season for Bobby. Well, looks like we have to replace his ass. I don't want to do mm. it, Dylan. I don't want to do it. Now you're trying to influence I'm me. I'm just saying. This and I hold all the cards. Tampering. You do. You do. It's illegal. I'm going to leave now before you do or say anything that makes me have to go to the bar. And if you need a good reason why you shouldn't be doing this case, consider what you just did. Yeah. Good point, Jimmy. We've got high IQ Jimmy this week. He's mm-hmm. upset about the dog. He said that? Okay, they just left gave you the that front door apartment that, that they always go to. Who? <laughs> Rebecca Kreskoff is back Maybe as the, the therapist. Oh, here we go. She's again. William Hanks is the real killer. He's stalking me, Jimmy. The stalking also fits the pattern of his delusions, his wanting to be thought of as. I'm not going to get into this. Look. Keith, if I promise you, him, I would just like you to if you're ever being stalked by a potential murderer, I'm going to take it a little more seriously. I can't promise. I appreciate effective, that. But I'll certainly try. Thank you. And thank you so much for bringing me into this to begin with. His being upset I had a friend who was once stalked by a uh, very, Not very well-known uh, Broadway composer, lyricist. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you no, about it off air. Can't wait. I think she's the one suffering from delusions. Michael McGuire just called. They're on their way to see him. Good. Now, can we talk about you in the Wallace case? It was Federal? quite the moment. Okay, are we going to see know, Hinks's face in the Jeannie in the in the rearview mirror here? You feel responsible for putting Scott back out on the street. You could be obsessed with defending him here because you feel the need to defend yourself. We're getting that a POV a from the front of a cab. It makes sense. It's ridiculous. I'm not even going to discuss it. Yeah, Bobby. <sighs> Fine. <sighs> Oh, Traffic's shit. terrible. She's in this cab. Who's driving the cab? Yeah! <laughs> you called it! Well played. Well, I Are mean, you sure? wasn't, I'm not a genius. Yes, they set that I'm up for sure. me. I'm sure. I saw him right in the rearview mirror. He picked me <laughs> well, you up. Got I was it in early. the cab. I looked in the mirror, and it was him. What are you waiting for, Ray Mike? Get back? this guy. How could he have done that? How could he have gotten a cab and, like, found Lindsay? He's a very resourceful dude. You want me to do it? I'd be happy to. I'm in it this far. Helen, you used to go out with this guy. You really want to be hauling him before oh, the grand jury? Oh, did she date him? No, but... Oh, did they? Oh. I don't know the case. I should... So you can bring me up to speed. Well, there was this one time I didn't wear my panties. And I'll do it. Went to the mm. North End or... Something like that. It's the South End, actually. There was a time mm. when you represented a client named Kevin Matthews. Way south. Until yesterday. You subverted the judicial process and conspired to replace me. Okay, so we're at a I grand jury. I one question, sir. Testimony. Who hired you to represent Kevin Macklin? I refuse to answer on the grounds of attorney-client privilege and under the protection afforded me by the United States Constitution and Article 12 of the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights. Nerd alert. Another way of saying you don't want to incriminate yourself. <laughs> I refuse to answer on the grounds already stated. I'm sorry, Mr. Reese. It's not that easy. You're not a target of this investigation. You've been given full transactional immunity for any crime that is revealed by your testimony. 
I can't prosecute you for anything you say. That means you have to answer the question. My answer would violate the attorney-client privilege. A judge has rejected that argument. Who hired you to represent Kevin Macklin? Who approached you? Who paid you? Can he be found in contempt? Think about what you're doing, Mitchell. Your reputation. Your license to practice. You are risking incarceration for contempt. Contempt? You're a hypocrite, Helen. Everything you've done here has shown contempt for this system. Please answer the question. I'm gone. Bailiff, please stop Mr. Reese. You've got to be kidding. Mitchell Reese, you're being held for contempt of the grand jury. Wait a minute. I have a question. Is she a Can, police officer does also? Does Helen have the authority to declare someone in contempt and have him arrested at a grand it, jury? It, it feels like quite a uh, hyperbolic creative reach if, that, if, if she doesn't. You know what I mean? It feels like well, it, somebody on the research team must have been assured that that is possible. You know what it feels? You know, you know what it really feels like? And, and maybe they can. I bet it is a, uh, they cl they didn't clock it in the draft until later. And they're like, oh, wait, there's no judge in this scene. Who's actually going to put him in content contempt? Oh, shit, we already built the set. Oh, we're shooting tomorrow. Uh, maybe then we'll notice. Is there a judge in the grand jury? I would, I would imagine. How could there I, not be? You know what's funny? Well, it, not funny. It just shows my ignorance. I... When, whenever we talk about grand juries and like the unsealed this and that, when we we're going through the Mueller investigation and such, I, I don't, I don't know much at all. In fact, after this episode, I'm going to read about it because I don't know much at all about how a grand jury actually operates. Well, my understanding of it, because my my mother was up for one once, she wasn't able to do it. It is a standing jury uh, that actually sits for months at a time, and they meet regularly. And as opposed to they're deciding an entire case, guilty or innocent, they are sort of the first line uh, of defense doing the smell test on whether or not this is worthy of prosecution. Mm. So they have sort of a lower bar. So they might look at like three different cases that day, and their job is like, yeah, there's enough there to continue and prosecute, or there isn't enough. And so I think, and so the, it's 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 sort of a standing jury that decides multiple cases, but just the very first threshold. And I may be completely wrong, so Jennifer or somebody, uh, correct me. Speaking of thresholds, I'm going to now go, uh, I've passed my P threshold. I'm going to, luckily my bathroom is directly next to my office, so I'm going to put the volume up, I'm going to listen. And we're going to just continue. But I want to let you know, Keith, so when I stand up, you don't get worried. Great. Well, I hope you turn the volume up on the mic so we can all listen to you. Oh, I'll mute it. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing, Helen. This you is, a, no this idea is a practice first. We're peeing during the episode. Hope nothing exciting happens because we won't be able to pause. That's not the sound of my peeing. That's the, the sound of the... The prosecution is trying to suppress everything about your wife's death. Well, that's good for us, isn't it? No, Scott, that's not good for us. We need to prove you were insane when you killed Harry Duvall. What you went through. It helps explain your state of mind. No, no. If the jury thinks that I killed Karen... They won't. You were acquitted. 
It doesn't matter, Bobby. Don't you get it? I lost my job, all of my friends. Nobody cares that I was acquitted. They still think I'm guilty. I need to prove your mental condition. No, no, but no, that's you're probably look like a murderer. Good. Scott, that this they is think our only chance. We can't win this killer, any other way. He's crazy. They're not saying he didn't kill him. Look at me. Dr. Murphy is prepared to support our theory of temporary insanity. But you did bring a gun to the meeting. Why? Did you go there to kill him, Scott? No. Plan to kill myself in front of him. That's still premeditation of I some sort. In my own blood on his hands. But it's none of the murder. I can premeditate to do anything. So if I don't do it, it's not the same thing. Better his blood on mine. Well reasoned. <laughs> I, you know, I, the guy gives me shit. I'd like to point out. You are so excited to play your fucking PlayStation you that you wouldn't even pause the episode to take a leak. No, I just didn't want Did to have to. It's pain, such a pain in the ass matching up everything. That, that just would have added <laughs> extra match. Maybe. I meant via of the PlayStation. Jen doesn't work tonight, so I don't know if I'm going to get to play it until tomorrow. We got another lockup meeting. We always love these. These are always good scenes, actually. They are. Well, it's because the the weight of the room yeah. weighs on the conversation, which I think is interesting. I just can't believe it. Why am I sitting here? Because his story is checking out. Look, completely off the record. Oh yes, let me trust you. You can. I think you know you still can. The man's life was in danger. I had to do what I did. Look, completely off the record. Not that they're after you anyway. Off the record. Why? Go away, Helen. Um, Mitchell, money? talk to me. You have no right to judge me. That's not why I'm here. I am trying to understand why would you do this? At first, it was just supposed to be some arraignments. Make your appearance, argue for bail. Over time, it's a lot of money. I started taking trials, cash, up front, win or lose. And you started throwing cases? Never, never. I always do the best I can for my client. Sometimes I even win. There's only one rule. Nobody talks. No matter what the state offers, nobody talks. Technically, Rachel, that's throwing a case, but you know, whatever. Cases. Just give us names. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to reveal who my client is, Helen. Too ethical? You can go. I'm not talking. I was just trying to save the guy. 
You really think you saved him? Witness protection doesn't matter. These people will find him. You haven't saved anybody. I wonder why he's out of focus in this shot. Guard? Symbolism. His mind is unfocused. It's under That's pressure. not a great retort, though. Even if the guy's... She did, the, she did do the ethical thing, whether it was the right thing or whether the guy's going to live or not. I mean, that's... No, she did. did. Yeah. Ooh, commercial. Not here. Not for Hulu. Chopper. What's his name? Chopper? Nice Chopper. coat, Lucy. Where are you? Uh-oh. I hope I wasn't right about the dead puppy. Chopper. God damn it. Come here, boy. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's my fault. You did Chopper. this. At least when I watched... Oh, shit! At least Jeez. I don't have to take care of it anymore. Chopper's dead. I'd like to dust the whole place. Why aren't you picking I love up? how you Lynch, turned a corner on that. Know, like, Michael, oh, the, please don't kill the puppy. Oh, at least I don't fuck up. You know, I felt that way about Rocky, the movies, too. It's like once you write a dog into a show, you then have to, there's all these like things you have to take care of. Like, who's, because you know there's people like, who's feeding the dog? Oh, they've been gone a long time. Who's watching the dog? And now they don't have to worry about it. But they did name him. You. They named him, which actually Why can't elevates you bring this. Me for questioning? Mm. We can do that. Then let's. You okay? No. The doll was also much smaller than the actual puppy. Yeah, it wasn't a great analog, but that's probably for the best. Yeah, actually, you know, I, this is actually a good point. When I, whenever an animal is harmed or killed on movie or TV, I want it to look bad and fake mm -hmm. because I will be pulled out of the story less by that. Like, oh, what a, what a terribly fake-looking dog than I am if I'm worried about it. Like, how did the, you know, like, an actual dog. If it's too realistic, I got too worried about the dog itself. So I, I bet they do that on purpose. Same thing with, like, babies. Yeah, there's an empathy factor there. I, I often, <clears throat> I tease Jen about it. I, I suffer the same thing. I just tease her about it because I, I find it interesting to reason. It happens often in war movies where you oh. see these mass battle scenes and then you'll see a bunch of people get mowed down and then, the more realistic ones show the horses getting murdered, right? <clears throat> right. And Jen flips about the horses. And I always, I'm, I'm always the first to point out, 600 men just got murdered, but like you're worried about the horses, but it's, oh, we all feel the way, it's human empathy. Well, I, I think it's empathy. I think it's also uh, intent. Mm -hmm. In one way or, or another, the men chose to be there and the animals did not. Uh, even though I, I personally think horses are evil. And trying what? to take over the world, but that, that's a that's a separate discussion. But I I do feel the same way. I, oh, Phoenix, please psychoanalyze that. What's the horse thing? <laughs> Who doesn't love a good horse? They're evil. What? They're so nice and sweet. They're monsters. I just came from court. That's an opinion no one shares. I told the judge I had no good faith basis to believe holding you in contempt would result in your revealing the names. You're free to go. You're also very sweaty. About that date. Yeah. Looks like he's like bartending. Helen, I won't begin to defend 
working for the people I... or doing. But this Shadow Council thing, going behind a defense attorney's back, it's equally unethical. Is it? Maybe more Under so. Under this circumstance? Maybe more so? No, it isn't, Mitchell. I'm sorry you can't see that. I think it was done in the service of justice, like with a judge's supervise, uh, under a judge's supervision. Like, I don't know. It's prior bad acts. It's inadmissible. That's a defense argument. It's also totally irrelevant who else he may have it killed. It goes directly to our insanity defense. It is not irrelevant. It's always a different angle. I'd like to be able to finish my argument. Bobby, how it is the can opposite you even angle, stand as usual. here today in good conscience? Why don't you turn around and face the Duvall family? Because of your brilliant legal maneuvering, Scott Wallace got to go back on the street. Because you were able to spin reasonable doubt, an innocent man was shot down. Mr. I have to needs to be said. You killed him! Not me! Oh boy. You arrested Bobby. the wrong man. Counsel! I want to oh, respond to that. Here. She's an extra. You drove him crazy! He <laughs> lost his wife, you accused him. You took away his life, his sanity. Mr. Duvall is dead because of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts! Hmm. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts! Yo, Bobby, Bobby crazy. You killed him! <laughs> yes! Bobby. Even Rebecca is, had to be like, yo, I get one line and it's just Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, it, bo Bobby is they killed losing him. it. They did. The worst thing that ever happened to Bobby was Bruce Davidson. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Davidson is like Yoko. I'm allowing evidence of the first crime to be introduced. However, Mr. Donnell, I advised you once to get off this case because of the inherent conflicts. I reissue that advisement for emotional reasons as well. You can do what you want to do, but I hope you know what you're doing. We're adjourned. Yeah, Rebecca, you're going to need to have a sit-down chat. The judgety cricket there. Come on, Bobby. Let's go. You crazy. You acting a fool, and... Bringing us all, you're bringing our reputation down also. Look, I'm happy to say I've committed multiple homicides, <laughs> but I wouldn't be caught dead driving a cab. It's only under duress I would even hail one. They all smell of those hideous little evergreen tree fresheners. Where were you yesterday afternoon? Belmont. Grove Street Park, walking my dog. Looking to meet a new friend. Were you with anybody? I go alone in case I do meet that friend. He's staring through the one-sided glass at Lindsay. Of course. Great shot there. That's cool. He's lying. He may be, but... I saw him, Michael. It was him. I, I, I don't care if it was a rearview mirror. It was him. I know it. I don't know where he would get a taxi cab. It was him! I'll check with the cab company, see if any were reported missing. I'll let you know. So basically, he doesn't believe you? He questions my ID, yeah. Well, we're getting a guard. One for here, another for our apartment. Lucy, could you take care of that? Done. So what's the meeting about? 
Uh, you're insane. Well, the firm has some concerns. You think? We all think it would be best not to represent Scott Wallace. Forget it. Bobby, two people here are witnesses. I covered that. The client waived the conflict. It isn't just that. Then what is it, Eugene? Why don't you tell me? I'll tell you. You are losing it in court today, Bobby. You're too close to this. You're too emotional. I was emotional because my Thank wife you, is being threatened by some psycho. Well, whatever the reason. I'm doing it. God damn it. Can this case be over? It isn't your decision. It should be subject to a partnership vote. I'm sorry, Bobby, but I agree with him. Scott will be so served we, Bobby. better. Scott Wallace is in a psychological crisis right now, Eugene. You the know that. The series will be better. He needs an attorney he has a trust with. I, I can better represent him than any other lawyer. It's gone great so far. We should vote, Bobby. Bobby, uh, we'd like to bring in James Spader uh, just to show you that uh, we're fucking serious. <laughs> just going to walk around in the background. And to make matters even more serious, this is skinny James Spader, not blacklist chubby James Spader. Um, and there's a difference. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, you guys should really meet Skinny Keith. Fine. Because he's very different from Chubby Keith. Very high strong. Very high All strong. All those in favor of me representing him. That's a, that's a no. That's a, that's a one, Bobby. Yeah. Eugene is like, this sucks. Everything about my current gig sucks. Wait, everybody but Jimmy? Jimmy's have it. I don't think Jimmy's a partner yet. Still. Oh, right. Of course. That makes perfect sense. Because uh, otherwise, like, Jimmy's like, he stole cold, killed him on purpose. <laughs> He's like, but I think Bobby should still represent him. Bobby's All right, that makes more sense. Nice ambush, Lindsay. Oh, get the fuck over yourself. Can't you see how emotional you're getting? I was worried about you, for God's sake. I mean, Dylan's committed to it, though. Do you feel responsible for the shooting? How is he worried about her? Related to Bruce Davidson. Bobby. Emerson, Look, sure. he believed his wife committed suicide. I still do. In which case, you couldn't possibly foresee that he would walk into a meeting with a gun. I know. Except we you spent four episodes establishing he's crazy. I'm not doing that, Lindsay. It's just... I'm the only one who can help him here. I can't pull out on him now. Unfortunately, if he goes to federal prison, I don't know that a lot of people will be pulling out at all. Uh, I knew it was coming. I didn't know exactly where it was going, but I wasn't going to stay inside. <laughs> oh, no. Just going to leave it there. <laughs> uh, He'll probably leave it there, too. I didn't mean for that to happen, guys. I did not. <laughs> Helen? What happened? Down here. Yo, was that the... It looks like a hit. What happened to witness protection? James Pickens Jr. What? He was supposed to be in witness protection. Nobody oh, shit, told me Ellen. anything about that. Watch your stuff. So he wasn't in witness protection? Oh, yeah. 
Oh shit! It's her ex-boyfriend. He used to be a DA. They killed the lawyer. So she thought it was gonna be the guy. Right. They put the defendant in witness protection, but they did not protect the lawyer. That one's not on her though, sorry. He could have Oh, there's well, any number of well, I mean She forced his hand, I guess. Once they once it even looked like he might be talking, they had to do it, of course. Another boyfriend bites the dust. I didn't even get to kill him myself. Sad piano. Sad piano. Someone's dead. Okay, folks, you have gotten through another episode of The Practice. Hop on to the YouTubes and we will discuss and hand out some awards. And I'll bump my microphone. And we are. Back. Back. Lots of things happened. The end of that episode had quite the uh, mm-hmm. killing field. Yeah. It was a pretty high death rate. Speaking of things that have a pretty high death rate, it is time for. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. <laughs> Y'all, Helen's ex boyfriend is dead, but he brought it upon himself because he was. He was mixed up with the drug, druggies. The dog is dead because Mr. Hinks was in the rear view driving a cab. He didn't run over the dog, but somebody killed that dog and Lindsay's freaked. You know who else is freaked? Everybody, because Bobby went insane and he wants to, he wants to like piss everybody off by defending Bruce Davidson who is going to get raped in prison. And you know what? Probably deserves it. (laughs) I'm not sure that was the, the, that one's IMDB worthy, but... Well, I said there was a high death rate in that segment, and that segment died, so perfect. <laughs> Speaking of things that are about to die, let's move on to everyone's favorite. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, they're a fake award show that always begins with... I still think Helen did the right thing. I think she did the ethical thing. And she mm-hmm. was able to get that guy, even though he pled guilty, she did get him into the witness protection program. She got him, I think we'll say, because we haven't given been given any information to the contrary, that his life was saved. The lawyer, the, her ex-boyfriend, was actually given a couple of opportunities. Yes, in front of the grand jury, but, you know, he, he was his hand was forced but he made an unethical decision to defend these bad people in the beginning and to take their money and he had an out and he chose he chose loyalty to them over the out. I can't fault Helen for that and I think she won the case. She saved that guy's life and she lost a shitty boyfriend. So that's uh, three wins 
that's an oopsie. Yeah, no, I I think I agree. I think she uh, definitely worked the hardest uh, in the pursuit of justice. Her stunt having him arrested in the grand jury, I don't know if that's plausible, but it was certainly interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I could give, I'm going to give an honorable mention Kittleson? to Richard Bay mm. for giving Bobby some pretty decent advice and actually trying to serve the purpose of justice as well, advising Bobby to have a co-counsel, even though that necess- kind of works against his own interests. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I don't think Bobby's doing Bruce any uh, any favors. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you're right. I do think it goes to Helen. Congratulations on your best, not best guest actor, most valuable lawyer. But what is next is... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Or first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Oh, someone's excited about the PlayStation. I'm sorry, Bruce Davidson. You might have, you might be worthy of this award this week, but I can't even, I'm just over it. I'm over you. I'm over it. I'm over the case. I'm over Bobby's bizarre allegiance to your mental health. The first Um, cast member who's ever listened to this show, Bruce Davidson. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, But I think a hockey announcer was really... (laughs) Fake Andy Brickley. Yep. I, I fake Andy Brickley. I thought he uh, he had a tough role this week because he was kind of playing a character who was making decisions that we might see as kind of dumb. But at the same time, he had an unknown pressure. Only he knows the kind of relationship and the sort of threat he's under by his client. And that's not, that's all implied. None of it's really discussed. And yet it is palpable is tangible in the episode, and that's all because of the work he's done. And for those reasons, and, you know, even the, you know, very, I want to call it chauvinistic because Helen is, she's very, she's a sexual being, so. But even that, that little, like, those sexual overtones between her and him, even in that just one scene in the hallway, even though maybe we think they're a little gross or unnecessary, they did add, a little bit of chemistry that adds to the conflict, and it didn't feel out of place because it was played well by both of them. So I think that uh, uh, somebody Tugnut is the my Oopsie Award winner. Uh, wow, uh, James Tugnut? Colby. Oh yeah, sorry. Is the uh, is is the actor you're you're, you're lauding? Uh, no, I actually agree. I mean, obviously uh, Bruce Davidson's there. Michael Emerson in his like ten seconds of screen time is super super fun. Kittleson. Uh, Kittleson, of course, but I, yeah, no, I, I think James Colby did a really good job because he had to go, he had to carry a lot of water there, um, and and did so realistically. It's it's interesting to watch a an actor playing a character who is lying so much. He's like both lying and obfuscating. I think it was just it, it just did a really solid job. So congratulations! And he had a great death pose, great death pose at the end. James Colby. All right, coming up next. 
You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Mike thinks. It's hard not to reward Dylan for going batty here. Bobby McCrazy. I think he's a little underserved by the writing, only in that it it felt a little out of no not I want to say out of nowhere. It feels a little like uh, over the top, only because mm-hmm. we don't know the relationship. Like they never really explain this relationship and why he's so concerned. In the face of what seems to be overwhelming evidence that he should recuse himself. The yeah. fact that his colleagues were in the room and are witnesses for the prosecution. The fact that it's just simply better for for Bruce to have a different colleague. Richard Bay even throws him a bone. The judge gives him an opportunity in and out. It just seems out of— mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's on Dylan so much as the writing. I think he's not, the backstory hasn't been really presented to us, even though we've had nine or eight or nine episodes with this character. And I think Dylan is asked to play a guy who is waffling between running his office, running this relationship, and also losing his shit. And and that's not easy, man. That's a tough task, especially when the writing doesn't really support it. And yeah. so, um, not just because he's swinging wildly between two different uh, objectives am I going to give him this award, but I just think it's he's still able to ground it in a place where it is still Bobby, and like I said, I'm a little concerned for him, and I think that is, I think we're supposed to feel that, and so and so I'm going to give him my oopsie. Yeah, I think that's all fair. And I will certainly have thoughts about it in the tires section because I I think he, I I agree with you that I think Dylan is sort of being let down by the logic of the writing of this. But he did give a great performance. Um, I'm going to, sort of for the same, I'm going to go with Helen Gamba. I'm going to go with Lara Flynn Boyle, actually, because I thought she she went on a journey that made a little bit more sense um, and really paid it off with, of course, you know, as uh, as everyone knows, as Tom Brady pointed out, if you cry during the fade out, that will should get you at least half of an oopsie. Uh, so I thought she did a really good job. So congratulations, Lara Flynn Boyle and Dylan McDermott with your best actors award. Also, honorable mentions. I think two great scenes in this episode go to Jimmy Berlu- Michael Bataluco had a, a mm-hmm. great scene, a couple, and also Lucy. Um, Marla Sokoloff, she, you know, had, she was asked to have kind of a comedic beat up top. She was asked to find this dead dog. She was asked to just, she was asked a lot of a variety of things and and she did great work. So, yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, we have a split with an honorable mention. Well, you know, what's not going to get split and there is no honor in mentioning it. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Helen McBobby sandwich up on the. That's nasty. This was a nasty Photoshop. <laughs> uh, is right there. Uh, uh, this, him eating human fingernails wasn't nasty, but that was. I um, was hungry two weeks in a row. This week is a little more specific, Keith. You're going to have okay. to cut it out of the episode. Um, by the way, uh, for having my birthday video, just so you know, we did get a YouTube strike. 
Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, but they just said we couldn't monetize the video, which we were never any threat of doing anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> there is no danger of monetizing anything related to this. Safe. <laughs> Safe. So, uh, but I'm going to get specific here, and I want to see Lucy finding Tom Brady's lifeless body in her middle desk drawer. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lucy finding Tom Brady's lifeless body in her desk drawer, Tom Brady. Although I, I hate being morbid to Tom. Uh, he's having a tough enough go at it as of late anyway. So I'll just say finding Tom Brady in her middle desk drawer. Yeah, well, we'll see where Yeah, you, you see where you go with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have one last thing to do before Mike can dive on that box of technology. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Here's the thing. I'm really into the Mr. Hinks plot. I really just want that to pick up steam. And we're sort of like slow playing it, which is kind of cool. I mean, the tension is building, and I hope that we get a good payoff. I'm, I'm going to guess we do. Uh, the, the Bruce Davidson thing is I've grown weary of it. And not only have I grown weary of it, but as we've mentioned, and I'll let Keith uh, say probably more eloquently, it's not being written very well. It's like they wrote themselves into a corner by, and they just keep trying to prolong it. Because I know that they write Bobby off the show, it feels like they're preparing for that by writing Bobby, this like, like crisis Bobby. But I, I don't know that, I don't know the story I've, I've held off from, investigating what happened with Spader and Bobby. So I don't know that that's accurate. I'm just kind of like creating a narrative that probably doesn't exist, but it feels unsupported, like Keith said. And I'd like to hear you delve into that more. So I, I'm let down by that. It, it just is weird for Bobby, who's supposed to be our main hero, to be the one who's most irrational. It doesn't even make any sense, the decisions he's making, unless he has a really specific relationship with this character that they have not explained over nine episodes. An old friend explains all of his clients. It's not unique to this. Yeah. Especially when your friends were almost killed by the dude, and there is some serious shit going on with this stalker, and the best Bobby can do is, like, we're going to get a, a security officer. Lucy, you handle it. it just all of it, it makes me not happy. Um... That said, I thought the main case with Helen is interesting. It asks, like you said, some new questions. I think it was a neat twist at the end where the guy's dead, but it's, none of it was that super exciting. It felt a little, little overstuffed overall. I'm going to give it 7.25 spare tires. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Oh! Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Whew. Aborted. Yeah, I... <sighs> It's tough to judge this episode by itself without having it be dragged down by the Bruce Davidson storyline. And I, I think you brought up a couple of points there that are important. One, the sort of uh, the trope of Bobby making poor decisions, defending an old friend that we don't know and don't have any understanding of why he is so obscenely obsessively loyal to a character just because they knew each other when. It's happened so many times in the show that I don't understand 
you're, you're as a writer, you're, uh-oh, as a writer, you're trying to put your lead characters in uncomfortable situations. You're trying to challenge them. You're trying to uh, make them solve difficult problems. But it's sort of the same problem over and over again. And you really do have the law of diminishing returns. If there were a storyline about some old friend that we knew and we understood why it was, uh, you know, why he's so loyal to that person, if we, if we, knew about their relationship before, and we did this once. I'm with you. That's great. I understand it. But at this point, it almost seems like the writers are just doubling down on the storyline, trying to justify it in the first place, which, again, is just weakening it over and over again. And the other point that I that you brought up that I think is really problematic for the show and for the writing of the character is that with what's going on with Hinks and Lindsay and the peril that she is in and what's going on with and what happened to uh, to Jim, Jimmy and Eleanor, he is showing so much more concern for some random old friend who is now known to be a murderer. He's showing more concern for that guy than for his, his friends and partners. But his pregnant wife is being stalked and threatened threatened by a serial killer. Yeah. And he couldn't give the tiniest shit. He's like, oh, wait, you're still here? And, like, even when she's in a scene with him, they're talking about him and what he's going through and completely ignoring the fact that there's a psycho killer after your pregnant wife. What the hell, Bobby? It makes absolutely no sense. Like, think about it this way. Like, if Jen or Jillian were being threatened, do you think I'd give a shit about you going to jail? Especially, you know what I mean? <laughs> especially that they're writing it as though everybody's, nobody's, I don't want to say they're not taking it seriously, but Lindsay's concerns are not being heeded. He's like, well, he says he wasn't there. Nothing we can do. Everybody's like, no, nah. a lot of eh, shoulder shrugging eh. happening. You're like, this seems very serious. Well, and I understand if you're if you're the police, if you're Ray Abruzzo, you have a job, there's a protocol that whatever. But if I'm your husband, I'm freaking the fuck out. I don't give it the tiniest shit about Bruce Davidson or anything going on with him. Totally. And he's obsessed with it to the point of like just he's melting down, which would be odd behavior if none of the rest of this were happening. Mm-hmm. But considering all the other things going on. I don't know what's going on with Bobby. And I think the problem is it's just sort of weird, clunky writing, clunky story structure. You know, and I'll and I'll say this. I also think I love the Hinks story. I love Michael Emerson. I love the character. I want more and more and more and more of it. But this episode, it got a little cheesy. It got a little rote like lifetime mover lifetime movie stalkery to me and it was like it was all just a little too cute it was all a little mm-hmm. too whatever the dead puppy and the rearview mirror and the this that the other thing it's it's just becoming a little lifetime movie and it's a disservice to the character which is so great and a disservice to the um, unbelievable performance by Michael Emerson uh so while I did like Helen's story and I liked that new angle, it's so funny. When I when we st- when I started talking, I was expecting to give this episode 
you know, like a high seven, low eight. But I think I've talked myself into like a 6.75 mm-hmm. just because I'm I'm annoyed as a writer by what they're doing to their characters. So that we average then to like a seven? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Average to yep. a seven. All right. So, okay. Wow. I, I, went, I went on a journey there. I didn't know I was going to rant, but I did. But you know what? Sometimes here on the Out of Practice Podcast, we go on unexpected rants. If you would like to go on an unexpected rant at us, correct us, fill us with information at Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice. You can, uh, is it Out of Practice? Out of Practice? Have we been saying that wrong the whole time? Anyway, our email account is Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our blog at Out of Practice Podcast.blogspot.com. This episode of the Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Navoa, and Jennifer Masanova. I love that Keith has probably typoed that since the very beginning. Anyway, <laughs> if you'd like to send us money to the wrong account, apparently, you can do so in one of two ways. Maybe uh, we're one- rich and we just, it's all going <laughs> to the wrong place. One time donation, monthly contribution, if you can. Uh, it does help. Uh, you can find those links in the show notes. Um, if not, just tell a friend that you know these two crazy comedians that uh, do a funny podcast. Keith, I got a lot of time to fill. You know what? You do this one. Oh, okay. Well, I can tell that Mike is so antsy to turn on his PlayStation 5 because there's a good chance it'll make laser sounds. It sure will. Laser sounds. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Pew, pew, pew. Ow.